lift up their voices. Come on, somebody. If you know God's been good to you, if you know that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, you ought to lift up your voice and give God a shout of praise for what he's doing. Come on, somebody, can somebody lift up their voice and give God a shout of praise? Something begins to happen when young people of God begin to lift up their voices. Come on, I feel the miracle in the building. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, somebody, you ought to let loose and give God a praise for what he's about to do. Woo! Come on, somebody, you got to learn to lift up your voice. You got to learn to shout. You got to learn to give God the glory. Give God the praise. I dare somebody to take about 60 seconds. And if you're really serious about giving God the glory,
Come on, somebody, why don't you lift up your hands? Come on, do you feel the breaking power of the Holy Ghost? You feel the Spirit of God moving in this place? Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Somebody give God a praise and say hallelujah! Woo! Something happens when you give God the glory. You could be having trouble at home. You could be having a rough day at school. But when you just give God all of your might, when you give Him all the praise, all the glory, I'm telling you, something begins to happen. Come on, somebody, I'm telling you, something begins to happen. Woo! My God, how does it feel? Youth service. Is a f- Come on, how does it feel to be at youth service? Woo! I'm telling you, we're young. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we're young. I don't have time to be sitting down. I, have, I need to be giving God the praise. He, the fact that we're here today. Come on, somebody, do I have anybody that can testify? The fact that we're here today. The fact that we have breath in our body. Woo! Jesus. My God. Jesus. I just feel something in the house tonight. Yeah. Woo! I'm telling you. Something happens when young people get a hold of this word. Come on, Heat. Come on, college career. I'm talking to you too. Something happens when we get a hold of this. Jeremiah said it was like a fire that was shut up in my bones. I can't escape it. Woo! Hallelujah. My God, my God. Y'all can, y'all can make your way back to your seats. Somebody give your neighbor a high five. Say, I'm glad to be at youth service tonight. Woo! We're going to be going into the reading of the Lord right now. My God. I feel something in the building tonight, y'all. I feel like preaching. I feel like God's going to move in this place. Amen? Amen, amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. Everybody stand all across this house for the reading of the word. All, come on, we all, we're going to stand in this house. We stand for the pledge at school. We're going to stand for the reading of the word of God. Amen. Come on, let's stand all across this house. All young people, let's stand all across this house for the reading of the word. Whew. Romans 1 and 16. If you have it on the screen. The Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Somebody shout, I'm not ashamed. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now turn on your Bibles again to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, it'll be on the screen. Whoo! We're going to start at verse number 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
and they love not their lives unto death. I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight, for a few moments, we are just going to preach. Your testimony still works. Somebody shout, your testimony still works. Woo! Somebody lift your hands. We're going to go before the Lord right now in prayer. Lord, we need you to move in this house. God, we need you to have your way. If you promise to preach with me, you may be seated. Don't leave me hanging, musicians. <laughs> All right, y'all ready? The book of Joshua begins with the children of Israel getting ready to pass over Jordan into the promised land. Before they cross over, God commands Joshua to make the people grab 24 stones and set up a memorial before, for the people forever. The priests bearing the ark of God, they step into the Jordan River and it parts. Come on, somebody, y'all got to be here with me. As the people cross, cross the river, God says, I want you to take 12 stones and I want you to lay it right here where the priests are at. And then as they cross over us, he says, I want you to take 12 more stones. And when you enter into the promised land, that's where I want you to lay these stones. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. This is what Joshua says as they place the stones. Joshua 4, 21 through 24 says, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people, somebody shout, all the people, all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God. When you obey the gospel message, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you're setting up your 12 stones right there. Can I just have somebody who's been baptized in Jesus' name just stand up and testify and say, when I obeyed the gospel, when I received the power of the Holy Ghost, something began to shift in my life. Something begins to happen. The same Holy Ghost that filled the apostles on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Ghost that is here right now in this building. Can I go a little further? The same Spirit of God that was in Jesus is in us today. That's why, no matter what the circumstance, I know I'm an overcomer. Because you know what? I got a testimony that I have the same. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Woo. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Because some of these kids might not know. Somebody say the Holy Ghost that I'm filled with is the same Holy Ghost where Jesus cast out the demoniac. The same Holy Ghost that you and I are filled with 
is the same Holy Ghost where Jesus stepped on the, the ocean. Come on, somebody, you ought to get this in your spirit tonight. The same Holy Ghost that's here tonight in the day of Pentecost. Woo! My God, God designed you to be a testimony. God designed you to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill. My God, that's why people look at us different. It's just not because the way we look, there's something different about us. Because we're filled with God's spirit. Come on, I don't know if you hear, if you hear me tonight. We're filled with God's spirit. That means when I can walk up in my school, people can look at me different and say, Hey, what is it that you got, Brother Nick? Because what you have, I'm looking for. I can't find it in drugs. I can't find it in relationships. I can't find it in the bottle. But you know where I can find it? It's in the name of Jesus. That's why there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Woo! That's when you can say, you know what, one time I was in your shoes. One time I was looking left and right to see what could fill this void in my life. But you know what, I looked and I found nothing. But I came into an apostolic church and I felt something I never felt before. Something that filled every void in my life. And it's the Holy Ghost and you can have it today. My God. Somebody ought to shout right there. Somebody ought to shout right there. I dare somebody to look back and think things over. I dare somebody to look back and say, you know what? Once I was bound by sin. Once I was bound in chains. But I'm an overcomer. I got the victory. Woo. When I went through the water, something happened. When I came up out of the water, something began to change. My whole life got rearranged. It's because the Holy Ghost. Our opening text says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That means one of the things you can, you can use to overcome is you, you telling the devil, you know what, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've been covered by the blood. My sins have been remitted. Come on, somebody, where are my apostolics at? Where are the young people who ought to get a fire in their heart and say, you know what? Let me be the leader of this next generation. Come on. If my road's not going to be on fire, you might as well change your seats because you know what? If I don't, if my road's not going to get on fire, I'll get on fire by myself. Let me just stop here, right here and just tell you this. That's why when we come into youth service, it's vital that we give God the glory and give God the praise. Young people, these people are looking at us and see what to do. That's why I don't want to come into an apostolic church and look cute. I don't want to come into an apostolic church and just... Because you know what? When young people come in here, they're hungry for more. They're hungry for something. That's why when I get up here every time, I got to give God my best. I got to give God the glory. Come on, somebody. 
There ought to be something stirring inside you right now. Let's say if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have been consumed. I dare you to shout right now. I dare you to lift up your voice right now. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Come on, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to lift up my voice. I'm not ashamed to give God the glory. I'm not ashamed to dance. Woo! I'm not in my notes tonight, but you know what? You got to stand up and be like Joshua and Caleb. That says, you know what? Our youth group is more than able to make it into the promised land. Come on. There were two that were faithful and, and eight that were doubting. Ten, I'm sorry. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be a part of that ten. I don't want, I don't want to be a part of that ten and says, you know what? This is just a normal youth service. This is just a typical youth service. No, sir. No, ma'am. When I come in here, I expect God to move. I expect little kids to get filled with the Holy Ghost. We're more than able to take the land. This is our city. This is our city. You see, you have to understand is once I was, I was in these young people's shoes right here. I was standing right here. And I came to an apostolic church. And I was 19 years old. And I, I said, you know what? I tried drugs. I tried smoking. I tried doing drugs. And nothing worked. But then I came to an altar. And I lifted my hands. And my life began to change. It was at that moment where my stones began to be built. And it's at this moment in this altar that somebody's life could be changed. But are we preparing the atmosphere for what God's going to do? Come on, somebody. Are we preparing the atmosphere? Come on, we're leaders. We're leaders. Come on, I'm more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You got the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I have a testimony. I have a testimony. And no matter what happens, your testimony will always work. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. It's not just my testimony, Brother Nick. It's not just your testimony. It's all of our testimonies. All of our testimonies can change somebody's life. If you want to learn how to overcome, Jesus, somebody lift your hands all across this house right now. Come on, somebody, I'm not trying to be cute. You need to get out of your flesh right now. Come on, this is time to press. This is the time to press. I don't care until I lose my voice. Something has to break in this house. I'm telling you, you're an overcomer. Woo! You got a testimony. You got a testimony. And something important happens when we share our testimonies, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Amen? So, Sister Tylin, we want you to come. We want you to share your testimony. Somebody give God a praise as Sister Tylin comes to share a testimony. Praise God. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Good? That's good. Alrighty, so I'm going to be telling you guys a little bit of my testimony tonight. It's going to be short and sweet, but it might sting a little bit. 
So I'm going to start off with growing up. I was raised without a father and just with, it was just me and my mom and me and her had a really close relationship. Well, when I started to get a little bit older and I would say around sixth grade was when I started to like see difficulty in my life. It started at school, I was bullied and uh, the thing is, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, like a, oh, you know, I'm gonna pick on her kind of thing. It was kind of intense. Um, in my younger days, before, before I was in sixth grade, I was still getting bullied and I didn't really realize I was. And then in sixth grade, it hit me because it was so intense. And I don't mean to like, you know, get deep, but I was getting thrown in the trash cans. I was being pushed in the mud. I was getting food thrown at me, being called out, you know, just a lot. It was like a movie. And um, that's when everything started to really just go downhill. Me and my mom started to get into arguments and I just felt like everything was just crashing down and I didn't know what to do. And this was when I was like 12 years old. So then, by the time I was in seventh grade, my mom had met um, my stepdad now. And when he got, you know, into the house and they started really being together, I felt like I was alone. I felt like nobody loved me anymore. I felt like my mom didn't love me anymore. I was going to school and, you know, getting picked on. And, you know, when you're around that age, it's nothing but home and school. And I just felt like my whole world, I just felt so hated. And um, I knew God was, you know, somebody, you know, I heard of his name. But my idea of God around that time, I felt like, he had hated me. I felt like everybody hated me. And that kind of that kind of turned into like a self-hate. I started to hate myself. And um, after that, fast forward, um, I'm just 12 years old. I'm suicidal, you know, just really going through it. And just at the age of 12, I overdosed on um, drugs and alcohol, and um, I was running away from home. I felt like that was the answer. I just wanted to run away from everything. I thought that was the only answer, especially because I thought God hated me. So fast forward to high school. The thing is, during these very depressing, lonely times, I always looked for new hope. You know, moving into a new house, moving into a new city. And when those opportunities came, I was so excited. I was so excited. I was like, finally, a fresh start. You know, everything's going to be good. I'm not going to get bullied anymore. You know, I ended up moving in with my dad at 13. And I was like, that was my first time meeting him. And I was like, okay, 
think I think he's gonna love me. You know, I think I'm gonna have a parent that finally loves me. And um, well, he ended up being an abusive alcoholic, and everywhere I turned, I just felt like I just was so let down. Everywhere I turned, every time I fought, I was gonna escape. Every time I ran away, every time I went to a new school, every time, you know, I had new situations going on. And um, I found myself, fast forward to high school, still going through the same stuff. Um, when you get to high school, it's like a different kind of bullying. Like, they don't do the same thing as like the stuff in middle school, but it's just a lot of like hatred, fakeness, how many of you guys can relate to bullying? Being treated unfairly and talked about behind your back. Being ridiculed like you're nobody. And I, I understand the depth of that pain. So it didn't stop in high school and um, I started to look for, I started to look for, for things, you know, started to get more heavy in drugs like it didn't stop like everything that I started off with to escape just got worse and worse over time started taking heavier drugs started drinking more and I found myself in a place to where I didn't even feel like I was alive like I was just like you know what I'm just living I'm just, you know and um, my sophomore year I ended up getting into a car crash um, this car crash was very crazy. <laughs> um, it sounds like a scary movie, but I don't know if you guys know what this is, but I had used a Ouija board. Yeah, you should know where it goes from here. So I had ditched school. I was at a friend's house, and she had a Ouija board there, and, you know, just senseless, I don't care me, was like, all right, let's use it. Like, you say nothing. And, um... The person that came on the board pretended to be like an angel. It was an actual demon, but he said that he was my angel. Long story short, he ended up telling me that I was gonna get into a car crash. And I was like, what? I'm gonna get into a car crash? If you're my angel, protect me, like what do I do? And he said, go home. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go home. I get in the car, boom, car crash. And I had one last sin to, to commit. If I would have lied to my parents and went home after that crash, I would have died. Why? Well, they ended up taking me to the hospital to check me out. And they said, well, your lungs are collapsed and punctured. We don't know how you're still alive. Were paralyzed from the neck down and they were rushing in and it was wild. And um, I was just in the hospital like, what? Like, what? What is this life? You know? That was really scary. And um, I started to realize that, you know, this God guy, he may be, he may be real. So one morning I woke up and the doctor came in and she was like, we, we're probably gonna have to take you to surgery, like, you know? And I was like, I, if I go to surgery, I might die. And I just, that night, I just kept praying. I was like, God, I don't know who you are. And I've, I, I just, 
I need you to, to help me in this situation. I need you to help me. Like, I, I might die. I just almost died. God, I need you. I've heard of what the things, that, I heard of the things that you've done in the hospital, and I need you to do them for me today. And the next morning, the doctor woke me up and she said, well, I don't know how this is possible, but your lung is closed up enough and healed for you to go home. He's real. And the thing is, I didn't, I gave my life to him in the way that I thought I should. See, you guys, you guys have something great. You guys have a church where truth resides. You can find the real God in this church. And he's here. He's here. And if you guys would just sit here and give your all to him. Come every service. Give your all to him in praise. Give your all to him in prayer. Give your all to him in worship. I promise you, he will show up at your door. And he will hug you and hold you because you matter. And he will tell you that he loves you. And that he's never going to leave you. And you're going to feel peace that you've never felt before. And that peace is going to be there whenever you need it. As long as you continue to push to be with your God. So I'm going to wrap this up and say, after that crash, you know, I still didn't find God. I was going off of my own perception of him. I made my own God. I thought, you know, God's real, but he's going to let me smoke. He's going to let me drink. He's going to let me have drugs. He's going to let me party. He's just there to save my life and, you know, fix the things that are going on that I don't really like. I'm going to just call him at those times. And it got to a point to where God had, God had broken me down so low so far and the thing is that that God that I was worshiping that little G I I wanted God so bad it got to a point where I was like I just wanted him more and more and more and more but I still had that little G and he got me to a point to where you know at the time I was chasing I was chasing a lot um, I had a lot on the table for me I was chasing a lot Nowadays, all these kids, and I'm almost finished, all these kids in this generation, what do they want? They want money. What else? They want fame, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you this now that all that stuff, and trust me, all that stuff is not, it doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't. It does not. It doesn't. Not one bit. Not one bit. And you'll be wasting your time chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. You'll find yourself never finding God. What are you chasing? If you're going to chase something, chase God. 
chase him because he's going to be the one that will set you free from everything that is holding you back from having peace, from having security, and from having love in your life. And from everything that I've been through, I found myself humbling myself before God, getting rid of that little G, and going through the Gospel of Acts 2.38. Somebody ought to lift your hands right now. Aren't you glad that you serve a faithful God? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad in the lowest points of your life that you serve a God that will never leave you? That you serve a God that will never forsake you? And even in your worst days, we serve a God who's there. We serve a God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Up next, we have Brother Emmanuel. Emmanuel, we want you to come and testify about what God's doing. Come on, somebody, you ought to clap your hands as Emmanuel comes. Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you. Uh, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, but um, let me just start off by saying that I grew up in the church, and I knew about the Word. I knew about God, and I would pursue Him, and I would go to school. And sometimes I would get made fun of. I know some people here probably get made fun of for going to church. And even though I was getting made fun of, you know, I still, you know, was going to church. I was a kid. I was being, I said I was being forced. And it wasn't until I got into high school that I started to want to fit in with my friends or my so-called friends. So my friends, they would smoke, drink, go to parties, go places. And I came to a point where I was like, okay, you know, I feel like I've heard enough about God. You know, let, let me do my own route. So I would go to my friend's house, and they would, they would tell me to smoke, drink. And sometimes I would feel conviction. I was like, I can't, I can't be doing this right now. I'm like, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And eventually, the more that I hung out with them, it felt like the more easier the door was for the devil to come into my life. Every day I would go over to their house, they would ask me to smoke. I said no. The, the more I kept going, the more I was like, okay, maybe I should try it one time. I ended up trying it, and then I wound up, I wound up doing it every day. And this is why I'm in high school. 10th grade through 12th grade, I start not going to church sometimes, but sometimes I do because my parents tell me to. And it wasn't until a point where I, I turned 18 and my parents were like, all right, you're, you're old enough, you know, if you don't want to come to church, we're not going to force you. And that, that then right there was telling me, okay, I can do whatever I want now. So I wind up going to my friends, smoking, drinking, partying, doing whatever. And I eventually had a girlfriend at the time. And we eventually broke up, and it was, it was hard on me. And even though we broke up, I was so depressed. I was depressed, and I wanted attention. So I, I really wanted to kill myself. I wanted to kill myself, and I wanted attention from my parents, and I wanted to overdose on pills. I honestly didn't know what... I was going to take, but I was just laying on my floor with pills, 
in my hand and I took some, some spilled on the floor. My father came in rushing, like, what are you doing? They rushed me to the hospital and then we go to the, to the ER and then they're asking me what I took and I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know. And then I'm, I'm here thinking that I'm gonna go right back home, you know, back to my everyday life, but they tell me I have to stay and go to like a mental facility. And I'm over, like, why, why do I have to go to a mental facility? And it really hurt me because I was being separated from my parents, which I never was. And I was at the mental facility and it, it was crazy to me because I'm thinking to myself, why am I here right now? God, you've always been there for me, and because of my decisions, I'm being put in this place like I'm, quote, unquote, crazy. And even though the nurses in, in the mental facility were saying, why, why are you here? You know, you don't belong here. You're perfectly fine. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's, it's decisions that we make, and it, it just hurts sometimes because, you know, Sometimes people might want attention. People want to fit. People want to fit in. But at the end of the day, that just brings you lower and lower away from God. You're not getting closer to the kingdom of God. So young people, a lot of you are here. Take my words and advice. It's not always best to fit in with your friends. They're not always your friends. God is your friend. He is your lover. He is everything you need in life. He's everything you need. Whether it's you need a job, you need a car, you need support from your family. That's when you go on your knees and you cry out to the Lord. No matter what you may be going through. Fast forward a little bit after uh, I came out of the hospital, I started going back to church. It wasn't until last year um, that my parents, they uh, got a divorce. And right that right there really broke me. Nonstop days of crying. I'm asking the Lord, why? why? Why would you do this to me? Questioning the Lord like it's his fault. And that's when I was like, all right, God, you wouldn't have let this happen. And I just strayed away from God wanted to do my own thing. I was like, if you can't save my parents' marriage, then I don't need you. And then I moved down here with my brother, my mother, and my sister-in-law. We all live in the same house. And, and I was still just relaxing, not looking for God. And my mother told me about this church called The Rock. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'll go. I don't feel like I want to go back. All right, it's your choice. And eventually I hear this voice in my head saying, you know, go, go one Sunday. And I go. And the moment I come in, I'm getting greetings from people I don't even know. I'm at the church. And I sit down and I hear the word and I just feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of God move in such a mighty way. And then the altar call, I'm sitting up here crying out to the Lord. Like, Lord, please forgive me. What I went through, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything. 
but I lay my life down here for you, Father God. I give everything to you, and I just want to move forward in your name and put you first in my life. Because no matter what, you will never leave me nor forsake me. And I am so glad that you are my God. So I'm glad for a wonderful church like this, The Rock. This is my family. This is my home. I thank you all for welcoming me with open arms. And I will continue to put God first in my life, in my finances, whatever I need to do. Because God is my provider. He's my healer. So I just thank you all. Amen. Somebody ought to lift your hands right now. Come on, somebody. I feel the presence of the Lord in this building. Come on. God is trying to reach somebody today. Come on. You might be at your lowest point in life, but let me tell you, he's the lover of your soul. He's a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you alone. I'm telling you somebody right now that God is waiting for you. God is reaching for you. God is longing for you. Woo, Jesus. Sister Skylar, we want you to just come. Come on, come on and testify. Somebody give it up as Sister Skylar comes and testifies. services about three years ago on Mother's Day, and his wife was gone, his, he was going to do some stuff, and while she was gone, he, he started, his head started hurting, I didn't know what was happening, so she, he called her, and she called 911, because they had realized that he was starting to have a heart attack during that moment, and when they finally got there, like 45 minutes later, they started heading to the hospital. Well, my copy during that time, he died like twice. And the second time, it was so bad, they had to turn around and go to the closest hospital. And when they finally got there, they put a stent in. And they said it was going to be okay. So the next day, it, he said he was still hurt. And they said, that's what you usually expect and that. Well, the day after that, he said he was still hurting. So they brought him to the they went and checked him out, and while he was up there, that he just started singing while he was hooking him up, and they started laughing. Well, while they were hooking him up, when they hooked him up finally, they started checking him up and saw that he had clots in his heart. Well, when they went to go clean it out, the electricity had went out. Well, they, they it was like a, there was a big panic when they moved him to the ICU. There was no air conditioner, so they were just waiting. There was none of the, almost none of the machines were working. The generators weren't working, nothing. So they had to find another room for him because all the hospitals were full. So they they were gonna fly him like four. It was like four hours away to Shreveport. Well, they finally at the last minute they found a room at the hospital, another hospital. Well, when they brought him, they started to go gonna finish getting the clots out well they realized it was it was really bad and they just decided to call the family in me and my brother were somewhere else a lot during that time but we had no one well 
they went in there and they told them the news. They said we could either leave him alone and he could he would just he would just die or we can give him open heart surgery but he would likely die because he'd had blood thinners so long from the transport. Well, they they went and said their goodbyes and they prayed for him and they went to the waiting room. Well, church got out around that time. So the whole church showed up, including Pastor Spell and Brother Goblin, who was visiting, preaching. And Pastor Spell said if he believed there was going to be, he was going to be healed. So they left and went and had oysters. Well, the whole, the, everyone in the waiting room said it felt like a miracle was happening in, in that midst time. But they, the doctor came out a few hours later, before leaving everyone at the church, and came in and said, he made it. Like, we don't know how. He shouldn't have. But he made it. Well, they had only given him 1% chance. And even though he made it, they were like, he literally is a miracle, walking miracle. He, and all, he wasn't even supposed to be able to, like, he wasn't supposed to have his, he wasn't supposed to work. He's at his regular job still. He wasn't supposed to, he got real out, like, this, yeah, he got out really early. Well, not only was his heart healed, he had had arthritis for years all over. Well, later on, they realized that his arthritis was completely gone. And now he can do whatever he he can do what he loves to, and we can go visit him, and he's perfectly fine now. And that's my testimony. Come on, somebody! Come on, somebody! Can you think back? He said it should have been my life that I shouldn't be here today, that I shouldn't be standing here today. But if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, if it wasn't for the Lord that was on my side. I would have been consumed. Come on, somebody. Jesus. I want everybody to stand all across this house. I want everybody to stand all across this house. We're getting ready to wrap up tonight. Come on, I want everybody to stand. We have one more testimony in this house. Sister Josefina, we want you to come. We want you to follow the Holy Ghost. And somebody, why don't you just come to this altar and prepare for what God's going to do. Come on, somebody. Come, come on, Josefina. Come on and testify. Come on, somebody, let's give God a praise as Josefina comes and testifies. Can somebody lift up your hands? Has God been good to you? Can you worship him in spirit and truth? I was broken. My life was, it wasn't, it wasn't right. I was born and raised in church. I knew who God was. I knew who God was. But I was broken. So broken. You know, the church that we were in back then, my sister and I, my sisters and I were in the praise team. But I wasn't doing it spirit and truth. I was just doing it because my parents wanted me to. You know, I was just singing because I wanted to, you know, whatever, whatever my parents want, right? Whatever my parents want. But I didn't want to do it. it was, I was rebellious. Behind my parents' back, I smoked, I drank, 
name it. <laughs> I did things that weren't right, that weren't right at all. And let me tell you, they, none of that filled me up. I'm just like, no drug, no drinking, fill you up. I can, I can tell you that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, but can you lift up your hands? Can you worship? Can you lift up your voice? Can you worship? God wants to do something in here. Loneliness. There was a, there was a point of my life where I felt so lonely, so lonely. I thought I didn't have, you know, I felt like I, didn't, I was in church. I felt like I didn't have anyone. Like literally, I was just so, like lonely. But I didn't understand what was going on at that time, because God was literally trying to pull me in. Like Josefina, come on, come on, baby, you need to go pray. It's time to go in the prayer room. But I didn't understand that back then. I didn't know what was going on. So I did what I wanted to do. So I filled myself with things that I thought was going to fill me up. Didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It did not work. But let me tell you. purpose. You guys have purpose. I don't know what's going on in your lives right now. I'm not but there's been some people that have been going through some stuff in here. And God has laid someone in my heart that's in this place. But let me tell you something. This world has nothing for you. This world has nothing for you. Your friends, your, world, your worldly friends are not going to. Your environment matters. Where you put yourself, it really matters. What you really need to do is put yourself with godly people. And I know it's not, you don't want to do it because they, it feels good. It feels good to fit in. It feels good. But you need to separate yourself. If you really want changement, if you really want to, if you really want to move, like. I'm so glad that God brought me out. 
I am so glad I got from you. Because I should have been dead. The suicide thoughts that I had should have, would have, could have over, overcome me. I should have been dead. <laughs> but thank God. I worship him in spirit and truth. I praise God in spirit and truth. I praise him with all of my heart, with all of my soul. My life is not my own. He's the potter and I'm the clay. God, mold me and shape me into your perfect will. Lift up your hands right now. Can you worship him, please? You have a voice. Use it. God give you a voice. You can reach the throne room yourself. No one has to do it for you but you. If you really want the change made, move, move, make the change made. Come on, somebody lift up your voice because God is in this room. Come on, somebody, right now, before we leave this house. Come on, somebody, I sense an overarching theme. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like you're depressed. But let me tell you, there's a God. There's a God in heaven who's willing to reach you. There's a God in heaven who's willing to love you. This world is not my home. Come on, somebody, lift your hands. I know it might have been a long service, but God's getting ready to do something. Come on, somebody. Somebody just needs to respond. Come on, somebody. Somebody just needs to respond. Come on, somebody. I need you to press. Come on, God's getting ready to do something. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like you're by yourself. But let me tell you, there's a God who loves you. Come on, somebody right now. Come on, somebody right now. Come on. You are meant to be in this service. God was speaking to you tonight. Stop trying to push it off. Stop trying to push it to somebody else. God was speaking to you. Come on, somebody. I know we're about to leave this service, but somebody ought to lift your hands. Somebody ought to respond. Somebody ought to respond. God's trying to change your life today. God's trying to make you go home and never be the same. Come on, you don't have to live. 
You don't have to be lonely another day. You don't have to go home and feel like you're by yourself. There's a God in heaven who loves you. There's a God in heaven who's been looking for you.